I don't know where to start with this topic. It's just mind-boggling, but that's why we have the experts come in and talk to us about it all and try to explain it a little bit more. Good afternoon and welcome to Associate Professor Nicholas Timms, Curtin University School of Earth and Planetary Sciences for a Curtin University update. Good afternoon, Nicholas. Good afternoon. You look very calm considering oh, what is going calm. to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, like I was just saying earlier, we mere mortals hear what's going on, can't even imagine what the story is going to come out of all of this. When you had the landing, what, in September? Of the of missionary, of uh, the mission missionary, <laughs> the mission that took place. Sure, it wasn't very long ago at all. So, the mission itself—it's been up there what for seven years? Yes, absolutely. It uh, took a little while to get a spacecraft to the asteroid, and then it um, orbited for a long time and actually imaged the surface of the asteroid. So it, it basically mapped the whole thing in three D, right? Which is an impressive thing in itself, and and just to, to figure out, you know all of the, the bumps and the boulders and things that live on the, the surface of this, this rocky object. And then, uh, well, part of that was actually to figure out where to take a sample from. So um, where to not quite land, but pogo stick onto it and, and, and grab a bit and pogo back off again. So. Was it getting instructions from, um, from Earth or was uh, it It, it was. Uh, I mean, it's a, essentially a robotic mission um, to a certain degree. I think I think it was getting instructions from the. Yeah, so c- c- let me g- ask you again: Was it orbiting for seven, or did it land for seven years? Oh no, it was. It landed. For, it, it hardly landed at all. It's basically the oh. the mechanism of, of of getting a sample from this um, object, this yeah. asteroid, is called touch and go. Uh, it's basically exactly that. So it Goes. basically, you know, yeah. lands. With a with a an arm a, like a a, a, probe, a, a prong yeah. which then kicks up some dirt into a into a bit like inside of a, a vacuum cleaner <laughs> and then then sort of like bounces basically straight back off again so it was on the surface for less than a second really and it was doing that uh, under the instruction possibly from Earth or, or the robotic situation uh, was combined uh, with well, that both yeah both yeah. so that went on for a long long time sure who sent it up in the first place. Oh, it's a, it's a, a mission that was, uh, it's basically NASA, but there are a whole heap of other um, collaborators in, in the mix um, who are involved in the mission. Uh, so the NASA partners with different institutions and universities and, and uh, industry people as well. So uh, the company that made the spacecraft, for example, is Lockheed Martin. So... Um, NASA didn't do it all on their own, but they required lots Human of... Human beings are amazing, aren't <laughs> no, they? When they get together and put their heads together. Yes, don't they? It's, Work it's together. It's an amazing thing. Um, congratulations for, to, for Curtin University, obviously, to be part of all of this. Tell us why this has been the fact that you have been chosen well, to start like, to analyse. I feel like the chosen one. Uh, well, I think you are. <laughs> it's not just me, I've got to say. Um, there are a bunch of us at Curtin University in, in the Space Science and Technology Centre and the John DeLater Centre at Curtin University and the Earth and Planetary Sciences um, School who who are involved in this mission. So I'm one of uh, six at Curtin, and together with a professor over East, we make the, the, the Australia team for the sample analysis side of things. So um, and how that came to be, uh, I'm, I'm actually part of the mission science team quite late. Um, I, I've come into this... Um, uh, year, a couple of years ago, really. Um, uh, there are other members of our uh, science team that have been involved in the mission for quite a long time. 
and right over, from the start, from seven years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 so over the years, we've grown in terms of our capabilities at Curtin and our expertise and the, the facilities and equipment that we've got, and we're perfectly positioned to to as a team kind of try yeah. and tackle how to analyse these tiny bits of, of space rock. Now, the infrastructure of the situation, it arrived at a great speed. Yeah. <laughs> did it not? Where did it land? Uh, it landed in Utah. In a, in okay, a, in the desert. Was yeah. that, that was deliberate, obviously. Yes, yeah. there's a there's testing range it out there. It comes in pretty fast, doesn't it? 45,000 kilometres an hour. Yes, that's quite, quite speedy. <laughs> pretty speedy, but it does slow down. It's yes. amazing how it gets programmed to do this successfully. Well, the Earth does a yeah. lot of the work for it, actually, oh, yeah. because as it, as it hits the atmosphere of the Earth, this um, thing that hasn't had any resistance to its velocity at all uh, suddenly hits the atmosphere, and the, the drag, the, the that kind of slows it down. It also heats it up incredibly. When yeah. it, it reaches some incredibly high speed, high, high temperatures, as well as slowing down at an incredible rate. And so a bit like the, you know, when the Apollo missions came back and the, the, the people in the capsules, that happened as well. They have heat yeah. shields ahead of these things to stop everybody burning up. They didn't side. look that healthy when they got out, just, <laughs> I just mentioned. They were looking a little bit dazed about any wonder. Um, we're going to take a break in a moment, but on this point, the samples that they do have, how many do they have and how, what other areas do they go to? Do they all come here to Curtin? Oh, in terms of the... the analysis the of it. The analysis? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a collaborative thing, as I said. It's, okay. it's a very international effort. There are lots of institutions in, the, in America, North America, so uh, including Canada. There are um, a bunch of institutions in Europe and, and the UK and so on. Um, and then there's Curtin and Japan, and I think one institution in India, and, and that's kind of it. So we're, there are all, all together are 38 But Curtin's the only one in Australia... Uh, as well as the institution over east. Uh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so, trying to keep up with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's phenomenal. So, so yeah, yeah the, the main bunch of the the curtain team analyses will be done at curtain. Okay. Yeah. Look, I tell you what. We'll just take a break because what I want to speak to you about, and obviously you've got this planned in your head. You're probably not sleeping well at the night uh, as to when it arrives. What you're going to be looking for? It could change the whole attitude, could it not? From when time began. Well, there are certainly Good. things that we hope to find out that um, yeah. have not yet been discovered, and it's it's hard to preempt all. Could change things, a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we've got a, a message come through to you, if you don't mind, Nicholas. Um, Ian of East Perth would like to ask, how many people actually believe that Neil Armstrong walked on the moon? Well, I put my hand up. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that's, a, that's, that's a theory, that's, isn't it? That's been gone, come and gone a bit. Thanks, Ian. That's a commonly asked question, actually. I mean. I, <laughs> It's, I, I believe he did, and there is overwhelming yeah. evidence to say that the That's astronauts right. landed on the They moon. made a movie about it, didn't they? Well, they, they made a few <laughs> The conspiracy about, movie. But, but anyway, also, that's another story. I've had the luxury of, of examining the, the, the rocks that are back from the Apollo missions, all the Apollo missions that landed on the moon. Oh, and, wow. And we've done lots of studies here at Curtin to uh, analyse those rocks and find a lot more about the moon that we, we've didn't know beforehand. And Is there I anything can, exciting that you can share? Oh, everything from when when the the moon, which we think was at one stage molten, when it first developed its its solid outer crust, right through to when the impacts that cause all of the pock marks right, and craters yeah. on there formed and, and things like that. And I can categorically let you know, Ian, that the rocks from the moon are very, very different than the rocks from Earth. We don't have anything like them. <laughs> from a studio. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, okay, when does it arrive? When did the samples arrive here? 
uh, to uh, to Curtin. Yes. Um, well, we're not entirely sure right to the day. Uh, we have there is a big plan, and of course the plans are a little bit flexible and malleable. Right now, um, actively at the Johnson Space Center in in America, they they're unwrapping and, and meticulously and methodically unveiling um, the, the samples inside. We we don't actually. I, 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 we can't see inside this thing properly yet, but we're just taking the outer shells off. Um, and and so as that progresses and things change and the time frames change a little bit, the, we keep getting updates about how things might progress. So we're hoping to get the samples by possibly the end of this year to analyse at Curtin. Okay, so uh, it's going to be a, around that sort of Are we looking frame. at rock samples? Are we looking at dust samples? Uh, hopefully both. Both, okay. Yeah. Well, we don't know yet. Um, we, oh, right. d d we haven't, the, the, the team hasn't seen inside this thing yet. It, we're all um, tuning in at night uh, because of the time difference to the States. Uh, many of us are staying up late at night to, to sort of l look in with a, with a video conference about what's going on in this incredibly... A surreal, very clean laboratory with people with you know gloves in a in a yeah. big glove tank. Um, that's all uh, completely sealed off from the rest of the world, trying to handle the the canister that came. The back conception of life may change. Can I ask you what you're going to start to look for when you get the samples? Uh, well, we've, we've 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 kind of got lots of equipment to look at things on a very microscopic scale, even down to the nanoscopic scale. We can analyze the atoms of, of what the material is that these things these space rocks are made from so and also at curtain we're very um we've developed quite a lot of rich expertise and and we've got the facilities here to 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 try and date the rocks um that is find out exactly when they formed and and what's happened to them since so how does the equipment uh, able to do that uh well to Find it, the date. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, another tricky topic. Let's see if I can explain it. No, really you well. probably but can't. Really. There, there, are, it's, there are some radioactive uh, decay schemes, a bit like uh, atomic clocks, if you like. So uh, some of them involve things like uranium decaying to eventually lead, and some of them involve potassium then decaying to argon. And and w what we can do is measure the isotopes of the the, the parent, the starting. Um, isotope and the daughter that gets produced over time, depending okay. on the half-life of things. So it's a story there. Yeah, and then if we if we, we can use um, what we know about how long that takes, then backtrack and, and get the age of the the particles. Do you have any concept of the age that you know, we're going back when we uh, start to analyse? We, we we predict that the material that was recovered from this particular mission is is going to represent very early some of the earliest solids that have formed in the solar system 4.5 billion years ago oh my gosh yeah. and and some of the first um you know rocks that, that sort of accumulated together and it may have been sort of like a an early planet that didn't really make it through the planet forming process and and got knocked about a bit and then sort of agglomerated back into a, a ball of rubble and, and it's those sorts of um catastrophic and cataclysmic events that we're hoping to sort of peer into using all of the fancy techniques that I think got. what is so interesting to all of us like I keep saying MMs mere mortals is how it is that our planet evolved the way it has and others hasn't done so or haven't done so 
these are some of the big I questions. And, and we want you to get the answers. <laughs> we, we'll give it a go. <laughs> and as a geologist, as a trained geologist, I've been uh, fascinated by how the Earth works for so long and how old it is and, and how things have come to be in this amazing place in which we live, yeah. right? Um, and my curiosity's taken me now, you know, out of this 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 ball of rock um onto into other places around the solar system first the moon and now asteroids and so on so to me they're all parts of the same broader curiosity that humankind has had for so long yeah. um so yeah answering how we are how the earth has evolved is well, that's a whole it's a big other one, story. <laughs> wow. Gee, you'll be famous, I tell you what, if you can find that out for us all. Because it really is a phenomenon. And, uh, you know, the way we've been able to survive or make mistakes and all that sort of thing. And the rest of the universe out there is sort of just flying along. They're just ignoring us. That's all there is to it. <laughs> it just carries on Fantastic. Going. So when you... How long... Oh, how, how long's a piece of string? How long is it going to take you to start to come up, do you think with some answers from samples that you're going to look at? Well, it, de de it depends. I think we're all ready and poised and we've gone through multiple different sort of practice exercises to, to deal with the samples as they come to Curtin and, and we've got the, the, the machines and, and facilities ready and the people on standby ready to do that. So it might be quite quick when we get some results which are really meaningful. Is technology helping you these days? Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we've got um, various apps on our smartphones to track the samples as they get sent to uh, to Australia, and then we can log uh, what we've done to them and, and, and upload our results instantaneously, really. And then the, the, the broader science analysis team, which is this international group over 38 institutions, there are about... 230 of us all together can all communicate, collaborate really effectively to really build a picture of, of what we can find out from will, the space. Will all of you be looking for different areas and different stories? Or? Sure. Yes, it's, okay. It's like being in a big orchestra. The, yeah. the violinist plays the violin. You know, the trombonist plays the trombone and together we're going to, you know, find that, that sound, the, 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 yeah. <laughs> the orchestral music that this rock can make, if that's not too hokey of a, a metaphor. <laughs> what about artificial intelligence? I mean, that's being bandied around a lot at the moment. Is that any, of any help? Otherwise, sorry? Artificial intelligence. Um, it, it could well be. There are, there are various things that um, we are uh, doing to, to map out the surfaces of... Uh, bodies such as Mars and, and the Moon at the moment in the in the Space Science and Technology Centre at Curtin, for example, um, and they're using machine learning, so artificial intelligence of a, of a kind to to actually detect different things from images of those bodies and, and help count, say, craters on the Moon, in automatically with something that's been done by hand for decades and decades and. Uh, now the clever bods and, and PhD students so just up the hill from where we're sitting is, uh, have uh, figured out ways to do that and they've yeah, it all, it's done all coming a phenomenal together. job to, to do that sort of thing. So yeah. applying artificial intelligence to answer scientific questions, there are some really neat, I think, unthought of applications of that yet and, and we're, we're kind of ready to explore these things. Would there be another mission in the future, do you think? Um, to go to... Well, you tell me. What's oh, well, out there? <laughs> <laughs> there are missions planned. In fact, the, the OSIRIS-REx, the spacecraft that dropped off the samples uh, re uh, to Earth from Bennu, 
It didn't land, it just dropped off the capsule that holds the samples. It then manoeuvred its thrusters and it's now jetting off to another asteroid to map that one. That's a busy job, isn't it? It is a busy job. Is it our day to do another job? It's it's off to do another job. Not to collect samples from this one, but just to map it. It's another near-Earth object which could be potentially dangerous in our future. So we want to know more about it and and how it works. Is Is it a very large item that is up there? Uh, th- so the Bennu, the, the, the yeah. one that we, the, was, it's taken seven years to go collect a sample and come back. It's about 510 metres across. It looks like it's a sort big. of a, a squashed spinning top. It's probably a little bit, if you, if you imagined it on the Earth's surface, it would be like twice as large as the Optus Stadium, that sort of size. Yeah, it's a pretty big item up there. It's a big item, but considering yeah. how many billions of kilometres that the spacecraft have to travel to uh, to it's get amazing. there, orbit it, and come back again, it's just... Amazing construction. Yeah. There's a lot of bits up there at the moment flying around, aren't there? Yes, there are, and that's what... Um, yeah. There's um, a great many people around the world, including a team at Curtin, trying to understand more about these asteroids uh, and how they uh, are orbiting and uh, what threat that they pose to the earth and see if we can find ways to um, stop them should we detect one that's you know coming straight for us well it has been said on a a couple of occasions that an asteroid was heading this way um, but it's never really taken place do they burn up before they get to us or Um, some i mean we we get meteors all the, all the time right so if you look up at the night sky especially at particular times of year you'll be able to see these trails of light yeah. the, the shooting stars coming in a lot of those burn up and they don't make the ground some of them actually drop rocks and, and meteorites that we can go and collect out in, out in the bush and uh, better tell a story too uh, they it? definitely tell a story and yeah. that's how we we kind of are learning more and more about um the solar system is to collect these things and, and then look backwards at our telescopes and, and figure out where they came from. Did you mention the name of the asteroid that, that we got this information from? Yeah, this is this the um, the, the one that's um, just just returned, returned is, is an asteroid called Bennu. Oh, that is the Bennu. I thought yes. the, the the character the um, in, instrument was okay. That's but how big is that? That's the, that's 510 metres across. Ah, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were talking about the spacecraft. Oh, the piece. spacecraft, no, that's that's relatively small. Oh, that's um, what I was wondering, sorry. Yeah, okay. okay, so the spacecraft is... Oh, Ben is quite small when you think yeah, about it. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. So, oh, this is interesting. Okay, we live in anticipation because we want to know why we're here. If you could just find that out from a sample, that's just amazing. <laughs> we'll, we'll do our best. It's just amazing. <laughs> it's been fantastic to speak to you. So... How do people keep up with this information? Uh, is it just ha- going out into the media or is there anything that you're putting out there on a website or anything like that? Well, right now, um, the, the teams behind the scenes, the scientists, uh, are going to get busy and um, we're going to analyse these samples and, and do our best to, to figure out all of the things that scientists can possibly figure out. And then there'll be stages at certain points when we are uh, get together and basically release some as a as a scientific article, which will be probably publicised quite widely. And as as that happens, then uh, we we will probably also not just tell other scientists by the by way of you know it being published in a scientific journal. We'll be communicating with, we the, with so. the public as well, yeah. and you might hear much more from me, for example, and the team at Curtin about. 
the things as we find them out. Oh, please do. Please come down and educate us all. It's absolutely fascinating. Always has been. The universe has always been fascinating. Why is you, you as a young man, perhaps got involved in the first place, the fascination of what's out there? Oh, uh, I think Hard to explain. It, it stems from a deep fascination with nature, as yeah. I mean, as a kid. And we, we can all think back to times when we were much younger and, um, and a little bit curious about this and that and the other. And I guess I just took a lot of time to spend uh, outdoors with my parents and friends of the family and things. And looking at landscapes and thinking how did it come to be this when we know that you know things change over long periods of time and mm. and one thing led to another and you know the classic thing about getting into bugs and dinosaurs and all of those things happened to me as well and i just kept going with it and took it one step further to university and then to a phd and then now Fantastic. i find myself in this position this balmy and baffling position of of being part of the science team that's looking at this amazing, uh, amazing thing that's, it, you know, as part of a, a huge international mission. If we didn't have people like yourself and others that are curious about life and about nature, we wouldn't be finding all this out. I think everybody's curious. Yes, that's why, you know, we have research. People need to keep curious and that's yeah, the best no, thing. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. That's absolutely interesting. Thank you so much, Nicholas. Lovely Thank to you. meet you. Professor Nicholas Timms, Curtin University School of Earth and Planetary Science. It's a Curtin Update. <laughs>